The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and, in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The scene is Jerusalem, ten days after Jesus' ascension. The disciples were gathered together in a small room. They had just chosen Matthias to replace Judas as the twelfth disciple, but they were unsure of what to do next, and so they waited. And then, all of a sudden, a violent rush of wind blows through the house. Tongues of fire ignite on their heads. They begin to speak in languages they do not know. They pour out into the street. As people from all different parts of the world walk by, they hear in their own languages the story of God being spoken. They stop and they come closer and they hear about this person called Jesus. The scriptures say that the crowd was bewildered. They wondered, how are these country hicks from Galilee speaking all these languages? The only explanation they could come up with is that they must be drunk even though it was only 9 o'clock in the morning. When I was in high school, I attended a Pentecostal church for a couple years, and when I started going there, I had a very similar kind of reaction. I didn't think they were drunk. It was 9 o'clock in the morning there too, but I was surprised and a little suspicious. Pentecostal churches get their name from this day of Pentecost, And they really emphasize the presence, power, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And during the services, people would get all worked up into a great fervor. The otherwise mild-mannered pastor would get red in the face and shout as he preached for 30 minutes. Be glad. (laughs) There were spontaneous shouts of amen and thank you, Jesus, throughout the service. People clapped to the music and waved their hand and spoke in tongues and danced around and sometimes were slain in the Spirit. It was almost too much for someone who grew up a Lutheran to absorb. In my childhood church, the most wild and exciting thing that we did was to share the peace. And so I wondered what in the world could cause such a rowdy scene and in a church, no less. The answer, they said, was the Holy Spirit. 
Now, Lutherans tend to be more of a reserved group, though not always. And part of that may be cultural, but some of it is theological. In this case, it's about our understanding of the Holy Spirit. You see, for the Pentecostals, all that fervor, the yelling and clapping and dancing and turning red in the face were seen as evidence or proof that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The more worked up you got, the more spiritual gifts you demonstrated, the more you were thought to possess the Holy Spirit and the blessing of God. And so while I don't doubt their inspiration or their intentions or that the Holy Spirit was very much in that place, There was also certainly a very human element to it. People wanted to prove to themselves, if not to others, that they indeed had the Spirit, that they were right with God. For Lutherans, the only proof that we require about the presence of the Holy Spirit in someone's life are the waters of baptism. We believe that it's in baptism that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's living presence in the world and in us. That, and that is God's sure promise to us in baptism, that nothing can ever change that. No matter how much or how little faith we feel that we have, no matter how much we ignore or shut God out, the Holy Spirit is always there. We don't have to prove it. We don't have to make it happen. In the baptismal life, the Holy Spirit comes standard. In his small catechism, Martin Luther explains the third part of the Apostles' Creed about the Holy Spirit in this way. He says, I believe that by my own understanding or strength, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him. But instead, the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with its gifts, made me holy and kept me in the true faith. Luther once wrote that this is the most important part of the creed, more important than the part of God the Father, more important than the part about Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, for it is the Spirit that draws us to Jesus and that helps us to know and believe and love Him. And it is Jesus who draws us to God. It is the Holy Spirit that gives us our faith as a pure gift, and it is the Spirit that helps us to do good things in the world. When we remember to say grace at a meal, when we roll out of bed and come to church, when we reach out to our neighbor, welcome a stranger, when we obey traffic signals, which is not always a given in Philly, when we care for our kids, when we send a text message or card to somebody that's hurting, when we march together for peace, as we'll do later this afternoon in Ambler, when we treat others with kindness, that is all the Holy Spirit at work. For as Luther said, we can do nothing good, nothing good apart from the Spirit. In short, if it's good, it comes from God. Paul put it this way in his letter to the Romans. He says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, And although we do not know how to pray as we should and often forget to pray altogether, the Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. When we run from God, the Spirit draws us back. When we find it hard to believe, the Spirit helps us in our unbelief. When we are confused, the Spirit guides us into the way of truth. She is our constant guide and companion, our advocate, our helper, our inspiration. The fact is that we are also a Pentecostal church, but 
with a small p. We believe in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We believe that moment by moment, the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, and enlightens us individually and as a community. And that it unites us in our diverse ways of thinking and speaking about God. And gives us a variety of gifts and the will to use them for the good of God's world. Back in Jerusalem, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaks and he says, Dear friends, we are not drunk as you say. This is the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that the prophet Joel prophesied would come. I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, your sons and your daughters. These sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see vision, and your old men shall dream dreams, even upon my slaves, both Men and women in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is in this spirit of Pentecost that we celebrate today our children. That we celebrated at the 830 service the confirmation of Naomi Berthoff and Kevin Etkin. And recognize our graduates among us. Some of whom we have known since they were little, little. Today marks a culmination of many years of parents getting kids out of bed and bringing them to church, of hundreds of lessons prepared by confirmation and Sunday school teachers, companionship and classmates, prayers of this congregation, holy friendships that we have known along the way. When you stop to think about what makes a day like this happen, there are so, so many people and so many gifts that helped to make it so. It has been the Holy Spirit working through all of these people that has made a day like this possible. The Holy Spirit working through teachers and mentors and parents and classmates and in you. For it is only through the Holy Spirit that we can claim and confirm the promises of our parents and godparents when we were baptized. It is only through the Holy Spirit that we can stand together and say, I believe in Jesus. Only through the Holy Spirit that we can affirm and live our baptismal promises to live among God's faithful people, to hear the Word of God and share in this Lord's Supper, to proclaim the good news of God in Christ Jesus through word and deed, to serve all people following the example of Jesus, and to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. And so as we confirm the promises some of whom were made by parents and godparents over the years, we confirm today that the Holy Spirit has kept its promise and is alive and well in us and in our graduates, our confirmands, and our children. On this day of Pentecost, we confirm that this is the same Holy Spirit that blew the doors off Jerusalem 2,000 years ago on the first Pentecost, the Spirit that inspires and guides us and surprises us, the Spirit that makes all things possible with God and lives in us and lives in you. We pause on this Pentecost Sunday to give thanks for the Spirit, to give thanks for all the ways in which the Spirit moves in each of us and all of us together. The fire that started at Pentecost nearly 2,000 years ago still burns in God's people and gives us strength and hope and promise for the future. 
May our light so shine before others that they may see our good works and glorify our God in heaven. Amen.